Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Steve, if you're new to Faith Bible Church, and we are in a short series through two of the, the two smallest books in the Bible, uh, Second and Third John. Today we are in Third John, the shortest book in the Bible. It only contains 219 words in its original language of Greek. This little book of Third John is addressed to one person, a man named Gaius. And John is writing to him, the Apostle John is writing to him, to do really three things, to encourage Gaius to keep on showing hospitality to those proclaimers of truth who are itinerant preachers coming to the area. Secondly, to point out some unacceptable behavior by a man named Diotrephes in the church. And finally, to commend a man named Demetrius, likely the bearer of this letter to Gaius. In the introduction that we saw last week in verses 1 through 4, we saw John demonstrate a deep love for this man Gaius. They have a bond in the person of Jesus Christ. He considers him to be a dear brother. And he tells him that he's praying for him regularly, that things would be going well for him, and that he would be in good health. But he tells him most of all he is encouraged because as he looks at the life of Gaius, he sees one who is well of soul. He is rightly connected with God through the person of Jesus Christ, and this encourages John to see him walking with the Lord, to see the gospel, the good news that Jesus is God, that he died on a cross to pay for the sin of the world and then rose again from the dead proving that he is God, to see the gospel not only be the source of Gaius's faith and that Gaius has put his trust in Christ, but that Gaius is walking in the gospel, meaning that the gospel is transforming him, transforming how he thinks, transforming his priorities, transforming his lifestyle. And so John is very encouraged in what he sees in Gaius. And today in verses 5 through 8, he's going to give Gaius a specific example of what he's encouraged about, a simple example of how the gospel has been transforming Gaius' thinking. And that example is this. Just as the gospel transformed Gaius, Gaius is committed to furthering the gospel. And he's committed to furthering the gospel not by being one who is sent out to proclaim the gospel, but to be a sender. And we're going to see in this passage today that each and every one of us as followers of Jesus Christ have a calling. Either a calling to be a sender or to be, or a calling to be one who is sent in the joint work of proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm going to read verses 5 through 8 of 3 John. You can follow along in your copy of the text. I'll be reading from the New American Standard Bible. Verse 5. Beloved, you are acting faithfully in whatever you accomplish for the brethren, and especially when they're strangers. 
And they have testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. For they went out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support such men so that we may be fellow workers with the truth. We're going to see this morning that each of us who have placed our trust in the person of Jesus Christ have a call. We are called to be engaged in the ministry of the proclamation of the good news of Jesus, either as one who is sent to take this message cross-culturally to those who desperately need to hear it, or as one who is a sender of those who are sent. My wife and I met in Bible college in Omaha, Nebraska, and as we became friends first and then started dating, at the point when I asked her to marry me, I made very clear that I sensed a call to be one who is sent to go overseas as a missionary. And that if we were to marry, that would be her life. And she said yes anyway. And uh, so we went off to Dallas Theological Seminary And the first part of my Dallas Seminary career, I not only sensed a call to missions, but I became very much burdened for a ministry called Greater Europe Mission, which is dedicated to training pastors in what is now a very dark place in Europe. And so then it became clear to me that I not only needed to get my four-year master's degree, but go on and do a do doctoral studies. And so I told Barbara, I said, I really think what's ahead for me is to not only get my Master's of Theology, but to get a Ph.D. And so that is the pathway we were on. I did not take any pastoral ministry classes at Dallas Seminary at all, except a couple of them that were required. Because it never dawned on me that I would ever be a pastor. Well, between my third and fourth year of seminary, I was getting burned out, and one of my mentors suggested that I needed to get away from Dallas Seminary a little bit and just do some hands-on ministry. And he connected me with some Ethiopian refugees, and I started doing Bible study with them and eating with them. And in that process, I contracted hepatitis from them and became extremely sick, so sick that it became very real to me that I would not be able to make it through my last year, write my thesis, and then go straight into a Ph.D. program. That summer that I became ill, I was doing a pastoral internship in my wife's hometown in central Kansas, and um, my mentor, the pastor under whom I was serving, a man named Gary Jansen, encouraged me. He said, you know, you really should just get some pastoral experience before heading down your doctoral studies and and trying to train pastors. And that resonated with me. I got back to Dallas Seminary, and my mentor at Dallas Theological Seminary, a man named Bob Sahlstrom, said, Steve, you need to get some pastoral experience. 
and just take this from the Lord. And I said, that's a good, that's a good word. I'll do this for five years. And I took my pastorate up in North Dakota with the idea, I'll do it for five years. Then I will go get my PhD. It's now 27 years later. You see, what happened was God drastically turned the direction of my life. And while I thought I was being called out as one of those sent to take the gospel cross-culturally, I realized that, no, I was called to be a sender. And I've got some friends who followed a similar pathway and have borne guilt in their lives ever since, thinking that somehow they let God down. I never struggled with that for two reasons. One, because I clearly believe that God changed the direction of Barb and mine's life. And two, because the scriptures are clear that not only is the one who is sent out, but the one who is the sender are co-laborers in the gospel. That we share in that ministry. And here, as the Apostle John writes to Gaius, he is stressing this point. Gaius, you are doing such a good work. You are being faithful to the gospel. And as you send out these itinerant preachers, you are sharing in their ministry. Even though you're not there physically, you're there as a partner in ministry because you are a sender. So let's just look at this passage. It comes in in in, in two little uh, uh, brackets in verses, first of all, in verses 5 through 6. We simply that just as Gaius has a calling, we have a calling. We should be supporting missionaries. We should be supporting missionaries in a way that is honoring and pleasing to God. As we come to verse 5, it's important for us to remember that verse 5 follows verse 4. We say, well, of course it does. But there's a connection between the two verses. If you look with me at verse 4, John says, there's nothing that gives me more joy than this. To see men and women living out the gospel. That they not only have put their trust in Jesus Christ, the truth that Jesus is God, that he died in our stead and rose again from the dead, proving that he's God. They not that These folks have not only trusted Christ, they're allowing the gospel to transform them. As he puts it here, they are walking in the truth. That the, the good news is changing them, changing their priorities, changing how they think. And so John has just said that, and now he's going to give an example of how he sees that reality in the life of Gaius. By the way, Gaius, you're being faithful. Look at verse 5. Again, he says, beloved. Third time in five verses, verse 1, verse 2, and verse 5. Beloved, you are acting faithfully in whatever you accomplish for the brethren. Notice he says, you are acting faithfully. It's a present tense verb. Gaius is continuing on a regular basis to be supportive of these itinerant preachers of the truth, these missionaries. It's part of his DNA. 
It's, it's part of his regular commitment to Jesus Christ that as these missionaries come into his town, he is their launching pad. He is providing housing for them, and it's much more than him saying, oh, let's come over and have a meal together tonight. By him opening their home to them, he's giving them a stamp of legitimacy. In fact, John goes on here in verse 5 and says, you know what's especially important? You don't even know these guys. Especially when they are strangers. It's interesting if we compare these verses, verses 5 through 8, with the verses we just saw a couple of weeks ago in 2 John, uh, down in verses 7 through 11. Because in 2 John, we see that there's not only this set of itinerant preachers proclaiming Jesus, there's a second set of itinerant preachers who are going around attacking Jesus. They're attacking his person and his work. And in 2 John, verses 7 through 11, the apostle charges that local church who received that letter, don't open your homes to these people. Don't support them in ministry, because if you do, you will be a sharer in their evil. If you look at 2 John, verse 11, it says, For the one who gives him a greeting participates in his evil deeds. Here in 3 John, we have the exact opposite. We have John commending Gaius. Gaius, you're doing a good thing. You're acting faithfully. Why? Because you are supporting these proclaimers of the truth. And we're going to see down in verse 8. By doing so, he's also, they, he is a sharer in their ministry. John says, these ones that you've supported have come back home. Most likely to the home church from which John is writing. And the apostle says, they've given a good report about you. Look with me at verse 6. They've testified to your love before the church. And it appears that these ones are coming back to Gaius. And John is asking Gaius, just as you have been all along, I want to encourage you, send them on their way. You will do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. The words send them on their way are translating just one Greek word. And that Greek word is a special word in the New Testament because it takes on almost a technical sense very much involved in missions. It says, be their sender. The word is used multiple times. In fact, if you're taking notes, I'm going to give you a quick listing of the times that that word occurs. And you can look up these verses and see how this word, send them on their way, is is almost like what Faith Bible Church talks about in the word commissioning. It says, be their sender. Support them. Pray for them. Give them financial support. Encourage them. Be their sender. Here's some other places where that Greek word occurs. Acts chapter 15, verse 3. Acts chapter 20, verse 38. Acts chapter 21, verse 5. Romans chapter 15, verse 24. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 6 and 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 16, 
in Titus chapter 3, verse 13. I'm going to read a couple of those verses. First of all, Romans chapter 15, verse 24. In Romans chapter 15, verse 24, we read this. Where, whenever I go to Spain, for I hope to see you in passing and to be helped on my way there by you. That's our word. So John is saying to the church in Rome, I'm going to, I hope to come see you, Roman church, but I'm asking you to send me on my way to Spain. I want you to be a launching pad for my ministry. I want you to be my financial support, my prayer support, my encouragement support. I want you to be my sender. We see the same occurrences in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 6 and 11. And in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 6, it says, And perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter so that you may send me on my way wherever I may go. Down in verse 11, in reference to Timothy, it says, So let no one despise him, but send him on his way in peace, so that he may come to me, for I expect him with the brethren. So here, in Third John, the Apostle John is charging Gaius, You be their sender. Do it in a way that's pleasing to the Lord, in a way that's worthy of the living God. You be their sender. As we see this morning, each of us have a calling, either to be a sender or to be the one who is sent. And one of the most encouraging things to me in this passage, as we come to the end of it this morning, we're going to say that both the sender and the one who is sent are co-sharers in the ministry. My first pastoral ministry was in rural North Dakota. And I was young, 26 years old. Remember, I didn't take all those pastoral ministry classes that guys who knew they were going to be a pastor would have taken. And it was hard. We were the only evangelical church in an 80-mile scan that believed that the gospel was our only source of hope in a right relationship with God. And because there was 80 miles, we were right in the middle of that 80-mile span, there weren't other uh, pastors nearby me that I could build relationships with and and just have support. We're all very spread out. And I can remember going through some difficult days one day when a card came in the mail. And I looked up in the return address, and it was the name of a woman handwritten out that I did not know. And then what really caught my eye is that the card was from the Luther Memorial Home, which is the nursing home in Mayville, North Dakota, where we lived. So I opened the card, and handwritten in this card was a note from a lady who I didn't know, who'd never been connected with our church, saying, Dear Pastor Steve, I want you to know that I pray for you every day and for your ministry. That was such an encouragement to me because it reminded me that 
this was God's ministry, not mine. And God raised up people to pray for me that I didn't even know. And as I read that card from this woman who was bound to a nursing home who I did not know but who was praying for me regularly, it reminded me that she was a sharer in my ministry. While she was not able to be part of our ministry physically, she was a spiritual partner in the gospel. And one day, she will stand before her Lord and the Lord will say, well done, good and faithful servant, for the, for the share that you had in the ministry of Riverside Evangelical Free Church in Naval, North Dakota. And what John is saying here to Gaius is that, Gaius, I'm so encouraged because I see the gospel lived out in your life. Remember verse 4 when John the apostle said, nothing gives me more joy than to see men and women whose lives are being transformed by the gospel. And Gaius, verse 5, I see it in you. Because you recognize that you were separated from God that you couldn't fix that because you're a sinner and there's no way you can make it right. And you came to a point in your life where you recognized that God loved you so much that he sent his only son for you, and you put your trust in him. And ever since then, I've seen that good news, that gospel, transforming you. And I see how it's transforming you so much that you not only saw your need for the good news, but you see the need for other people in the good news and and you're partnering that that the gospel is so important to you that you have rearranged your life your priorities your time your finances your commitment your reputation in town all for the sake of the gospel and John says to Gaius you are acting faithfully. So he says, just as you've been doing, I have a charge for you. They're coming back. Send them on their way. Be a launching pad for them. Now, how do we do that here at Faith Bible Church? Well, one of the things that that you will see that's different about Faith Bible Church than some churches that many of you may have been part of is that often when a church has a missions program, If you give financially to that church in a Sunday morning offering, a portion of your giving will go to missions. Years ago, our elders at Faith Bible Church wanted to elevate missions. And so they made a decision that our missions giving would be on top of our normal giving to Faith Bible Church. And so our elders encourage every regular attender of Faith Bible Church to make a commitment to supporting at least one missionary who's been sent out from Faith Bible Church. And that giving financially to that missionary is on top of our our general fund budget. Just like we announced with Shannon this morning, that if you'd like to give to Shannon, you just communicate that to her And whatever you designate to Shannon will go to Shannon's ministry. So how do we become senders here at Faith Bible Church? We prayerfully consider, each of us is an individual unit, we prayerfully consider who would the Lord have me support 
Now, I just mentioned finances, but also in prayer. That's why we print every week in the bulletin prayer requests on a rotating basis for one of our missionaries. That's so that we can undergird them. And, And we're going to see as we undergird them financially and in prayer, we are actually sharing in their ministry. We just came out with a new church directory. You can shoot an, a missionary an email. I had someone come after me, come up to me after first hour. Their children have been Skyping and FaceTiming with other mission, some of our commission missionaries' children. How encouraging that is for parents who are on the field to have some, some children back here maintaining a relationship with their children on the field. You see, We have a calling here. Some of us may be called to be a sent one, actually going cross-culturally, and you can go cross-culturally right here in our city. Go cross-culturally with the gospel. But many of us aren't called as sent ones, just like I wasn't called to a cross-cultural ministry, but rather as a sender. And we can ask the Lord in prayer, God, how do you want me to be active as a sender? Now, John goes on in the next two verses and explains why this is so important. In fact, if you look at verse 7, there's a little connecting word there, the little word for. And that little word is John saying, I want to give you some reasons why it's so important for you to be part of a sending ministry. And we're going to see there's actually three reasons that John lists here to be supporters, to be senders, to be senders of missionaries. Number one, because they are proclaiming the gospel to bring people to faith in Jesus. Number two, because those missionaries are depending on the support from Christians. And number three, when we are senders, we actually are co-sharers, co-workers in the truth with them. Let's look at it. Verse 7. For, Gaius, I want to give you some reasons why I'm charging you to be a sender of these itinerant preachers of the gospel. For they have, they went out for the sake of the name. You see, missions is God-centered. We've talked many times about when we see the word the name or the name of God in scripture. When it's referring to the Lord's name or doing something in the name of the Lord, it's talking much more than just about the literal letters of the word God or Elohim or Adonai or Christos. It's talking about who God is. The name of God, the name of the Lord is talking about his attributes, His what characterizes him. And here, John says, I want you to be involved as a sender. Why? Because they went out for Jesus. They don't go out because they love people so much. People disappoint. If a missionary goes out because of the people he wants to reach, 
They soon will be discouraged when those people don't respond. But if they go out because of who Jesus is, if they go out because of their love of Jesus Christ, as they have seen the character of God revealed, that he is a God who is all about missions, that he is a God who created people to be his worshipers. And in response to a God who deserves our worship, we desire to see more people become worshipers of our Lord. Here, John says, you be active as a sender because these ones are all about the name of the Lord. They're doing it for Jesus, for the good news. Secondly, he says in verse 7, a second reason why we should be involved as senders is they accept nothing from the Gentiles. In other words, they are not dependent on the giving of non-Christians to reach out with the gospel. Do you ever wonder why Faith Bible Church never does any kind of fundraising or soup suppers, lutefisk suppers? Never understand why anybody would go to that. It's because our elders here at Faith Bible Church firmly believe that to be senders in a way that verse 6 says is a manner worthy of God means that we don't depend on non-Christians to do what we are to be doing. That we are called by the transforming power of the gospel to have a change in our attitudes and our priorities so much so that it changes how we spend our money. Why would we try to get people who don't know Jesus Christ to support what we should be doing? And so we have made a commitment as a church that we don't do things that way. If we are going to be a sending church, we will be the ones to send. Just like John here says, Gaius, you should be sending these people out. Why? Because they don't accept money from non-Christians. And finally, the apostle says in verse 8, we need to support such men. Why? So that we may be fellow workers with the truth. And that's the exciting part of these verses. Because it's saying that it's not only the one who is sent that brings glory to the Lord with his ministry, but it's the sender that we are actually partnering in the ministry of the gospel. That means that if you decide to support Katie Knight or Brandon and Ashley Wilson or uh, Shannon uh, wearing that just shared today, it's not just those people who are on that college campus or that high school campus who desperately need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. You're on that campus with them. Or if you decide to support the Farvers in Togo, it's not just the Farvers ministry in Togo. It's your ministry too as you pray for them, as you lift them up, as you encourage them, as you give to them. 
Or if you support the Norse, you're in Australia with the Norse. If you support the Lysons, you're in Slovakia with the Lysons. If you support Crystal Vorgert, you're in Mexico with Crystal. If you support Jack and Luann Ryan, you're an undergirder with them in Charlotte, North Carolina, as they undergird missionaries throughout the world. You see, John is saying, Gaius, this is a good thing that you're doing because as you are a sender, you are actually a fellow worker with them. You may not be with them physically, but you're there. You're there as you are undergird, as you pray, as you financially support, as you encourage. It's your ministry too. And just as one day the Lord will say, good job, faithful servant, so also will the sender receive the Lord's blessing as well. One of my great heroes of the modern-day faith is a man named Bill Lotus. I actually tried to have Bill come to Faith Bible Church several years ago, but his health had become so poor he could not travel anymore. But Bill dedicated his life to a ministry called NAIM, N-A-I-M, North American Indian Mission. And he dedicated his life to working with tribal peoples in Canada. Toward the end of his ministry, he and his wife liquidated their earthly possessions. They sold their home, they sold their cars, they liquidated and bought a houseboat. Now, they didn't buy a houseboat so that they could go touring around and have friends in and cook brats on a grill on the deck of the boat and look at the sunset. They, they sold everything and bought a houseboat so that they could serve coastal native peoples along the Pacific coast of Canada. And most of those little villages were not accessible by road. And so what they did is they took this houseboat and they went to those people in those coastal villages along, uh, on the Pacific coast, having them into their home and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with them. Now, why did they do that? Not because of their love for people. If they did it because of their care and concern for people, they'd get discouraged. Because sometimes people don't respond the way we want them to. They did it because of the name. They did it because they got a glimpse of who Jesus Christ is and what Jesus Christ is all about. And out of love and commitment for the one who gave up everything for them, they gave up everything for him. And too often today, we are putting people within evangelical circles up on a pedestal who really shouldn't be there. And one day we will be surprised at those who the Lord lifts up. And here John is saying, you be an undergirder of those who have been sent out. And what's really exciting is that as we are a sender, we actually are sharers in their ministry. It, it, we're on the field with them. To send and to be a sender of proclaimers of the truth. 
And to be a sender actually puts us in a position to be a co-worker with those who are sent. You may be here today, and as we have talked about this transforming power of the gospel, that seems foreign to you. You're not sure what I'm talking about, or maybe you're here, you don't know if you're in right relationship with God or not. I would encourage you immediately after the service, there's a room directly behind you called the prayer room, and you can just slip in there just for a couple of minutes, and one of our leaders here, one of our elders, will be back in that room, and will be able to give you some printed material that you can take out your own Bible and look up verses, some of which we've talked about today, that will show you how you can be in right relationship with God. Or maybe you're here and, and you're burdened today. Maybe you are burdened that, that you want to be more involved as a sender. Or maybe the cares of life are falling down hard on you and you want to pray. I would encourage you just to step back in the prayer room and spend some time praying this morning. All of us have a call. Either to be one who is sent out or to be a sender. Father, we thank you for Third John and for the encouragement that your word brings us that to be involved in what you, where your heart is in reaching the nations for Jesus Christ, either as a sent one or as a sender, is a good thing. It's a faithful thing to the gospel. And pray that you would help us as a church family to grow in our commitment of being a sending church. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.